This episode of Two Scoops is brought to you by L-O-V-E Love. Get into it. Cam. Mr. B. Is it recording? You know it. Let's give the people something new. It's time to serve it up. What's the scoop? Let's go. Serving it up, UK to the States. No tea, no shade, it's all grace. Nothing we can't discuss in this place. Black culture set the stage, please. Two scoops, baby. Yeah, two, two, two scoops. Serving it up for the culture. Hey, welcome back to Two Scoops, the podcast that makes you want more and more episode by episode. As always, we give you the sweet, we give you the spice, and everything oh so right. I'm your co-host, Cam. And I'm your co-host, Mr. B. And we have someone so special to us both as a guest for this episode, Mark Thompson. Mark is a Black British, South London-born and bred activist, health promotion specialist and mentor, currently residing in the People's Republic of Brixton. Bang, bang. He is the co-director of The Love Tank, a not-for-profit community interest community that promotes health and well-being of underserved communities through education, capacity building and research. Mark has over 25 years experience working in public health and social justice. He has worked on several health promotion campaigns, interventions and community building events, including most recently, Me, Him, Us, The Undetectables, Blackout at the Tate, and Black Men Who Brunch. He set up Project 100, the National Peer Mentoring Program for people with HIV, and is one of the founders of the organizations Big Up, Prepster, and Blackout UK. Most recently, alongside Jake Nakunde, launched Black and Gay Back in the Day, a digital community archive honoring and remembering Black queer life in Britain. Mark has a deep interest in film and history, music, collecting pop art books, interiors, yoga, his people them, and his boy dog Travis. We welcome to Two Scoops the self-professed, all-round creative troublemaker, the incomparable living legend, Mark Thompson. Welcome to the motherfucking house. Yeah. Mark, what what up? Up? Oh my God, what up? What up? That was an intro. <laughs> Damn, I forgot I've done so much stuff. Right. Living legend. Correct. Hello. <laughs> Remind the people. <laughs> no, right. Oh, humbled. Humbled. Thank you. Nice to be here, you too. How are you on this beautiful Sunday? The sun is shining. How are you feeling? I'm I'm really good. I'm having a lovely chilled weekend. Me and the boy, the dog are here, just kind of kicking back. Doing domestics today. I was just saying I'm folding up laundry at the moment. So uh yeah. I, I, I do living legends kind of fold laundry and pants, but I'm really good. It's a beautiful day. I'm yoga up and um yeah, I'm really, really excited to talk to you two though. Laundry keeps you grounded. Mm-hmm. Preach. <laughs> Preach. What kind of dog is Travis? Travis is a Parsons Terrier. So he's like a Jack Russell, uh, but a little bit bigger. I think he's got some staff in him as well. So he's a, he's a little rough. He's like the HMV dog, his master's voice. So he's white and he's got a black patch. Classic dog. He's an absolute sweetheart. He's my boy. I've had him he's for 10 gorgeous. years. He's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. My little snuffle bunny. Yeah, yeah. He loves he loves he loves seeing Dwayne because he gets lots and lots of long walks and he gets to hang out. He gets spoiled rotten when he's with Dwayne. He does. He does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, we we're so looking forward to just having a chat with you. 
not about stuff you're usually used to chatting with other people. Um, and I think you'll probably love that as, as our listeners and you, Mark, as well, just so we can get to know you a bit more outside of the usual things mm. of, of public health and social justice, which obviously is very important to you and to everybody. But you are more than that. And we're just going to dive right into it. Oh. Everybody, as you all know, every week we have the Scoop of the Week. And now is the time, the Scoop of the Week. Here's your weekly treat, Scoop of the Week. So I'm going to be really unconventional for this week, guys, okay? I've got something on my chest and I could have brought, you know, our scoop of the week is usually something to do with topic theme of the discussion. Today we're talking about love, romance, black love and everything else in between. We're going to fuck all of that for a minute, okay? Because I don't even know where to start and I've not even... Yesterday, I've been doing make a lot it, of make reading. Make it plain, sis. Right, yep, yep, yep. I'm going to try and keep it brief, okay? But I need to tell you the tea because it's heavy on my heart. I just want to get it out there and then I can forget about it. I've been doing quite a bit of reading. The Smithsonian um, website did a gorgeous piece on the history of African-American cowboys and how one in four cowboys were black and it's a lesser known history. So I wanted to create some content around that. So a friend and I decided to start this photography project um, and create some content. So we arranged with a friend of mine. So we managed to bag a stable and a few horses, costumes, you know, there's two weeks of going back and forth in regards to concept, historical context, all of that business. We drive for two hours to this location down south and she shows us around I've not spoken to this to this girl, the one who the one who set up this location in about ten years. Sweet young lady, um, and so this is the spot. This is where you can photograph. We've got these horses here, the stables, blah 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 blah. Keeping in mind, we just got out the car. We just got out the car. There are four of us. I said, "Oh, can I use the restroom, please?" So I go to, I go past one of the cottages and to use the loo. And all of a sudden this Karen runs out. <laughs> flustered, flustered. Right, flustered. Hair, hair, windswept, everything. <laughs> and I look back and she goes, oh, can I help you? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm here with, let's call, let's call my friend, Cheryl. I'm here with Cheryl. I'm here with her horses. We've got a shoot booked. And she goes, who? Who's Cheryl? And I go, she owns some of the barns over here. This woman runs back into the house and she runs back out and she goes, oh, it's just because I've never seen you on this farm before. I walk back to Cheryl. Cheryl gets a phone call immediately. Right? And it's the owners of the of, of the stable who she's okayed it with the previous day. Stating that she's just been informed that there are these four boys on the premises who are causing trouble. And and are making a disturbance. And they want us to to leave the property ASAP, Rocky. 
What? <laughs> so I'm there like, <laughs> okay, so this is really happening. This is really happening. Long story short, we could go into, you know, the ins and outs of that. But I'm in the, I'm on, I'm on the car journey back. She manages to bag someone else, um, someone else a plot of land. It all works out perfectly. Beautiful shoot. But on the way to the other location on this half an hour drive, for a split second, I mean, for a split second, you know, I had to kind of like hold back tears. And not because... It really, um, it wasn't a shock. It wasn't a surprise. These things happen to us all the time. But the the proximity to, you know, the proximity that I was to, to it, to, 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 to racism, to, was just, was, was there. And it was so heavy on my heart yesterday. And I really had to shake it off and just, you know, okay, let's keep it pushing. But it highlighted a lot of things. There were a lot of things that my friend Cheryl could have done. She could have, you know, spoke up. And have said something. Um, so could have some of the people that, that that I was with. I could have said something. There, so yeah, I'm going to leave it there. But I just wanted to get that off my chest so I can park it. But we've got so much fucking work to do, and these Karens be doing the absolute most, the absolute most. But here we are. It was a beautiful shoot. It all worked out in the end. So about a week ago, I saw a BBC program talking about the show Top of the Pops and how they started to incorporate hip-hop artists back in the day. Um, and for those of you who don't know what Top of the Pops is, it's a British music chart TV program featuring mainly pop artists, and you can read that as mainly white artists. So it's it's similar to um, American Bandstand or Soul Train, for those of you in the States or those of you who've never seen Top of the Pops. It has that similar thing. It features artists who are in the charts. Simple as that. So anyway, I saw this performance, right? So it was a January 1988 performance on the American version of Top of the Pops, which didn't really make it that far, but it was a thing for a little bit. And this performance was of hip-hop artist LL Cool J, First of all, I love LL Cool J. Yes, for the music, but also, like, for how he looks. Like, oh, my God, oof. Anyway, <laughs> so there's probably a few folks who are listening now who actually don't even know who LL Cool J is. Excuse me? Sad face. Um, Google him, um, because he is definitely one of hip-hop's pioneers. And he is also from where I'm from, Queens, New York, stand up, as as Mr. B says, bang, bang. I don't say that, but I'm going to say that today. <laughs> anyway, so this performance, January 1988, this was of him, uh, him doing his song, I Need Love, which, fun fact, was considered to be the first hip-hop love song. I didn't know that. Obviously, like, a lot of people don't equate hip-hop with love song. You think of soul and R&B, but... Go on YouTube, listen to that song, I Need Love, and it's definitely a love song. So there he is, LL Cool J in all his beauty. He has a red Kango hat on, a chunky gold chain, constantly licking his lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With his open tracksuit jacket showing that body looking like a fine, 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 fine piece of trade up there. And I was like... That's the type of people I would have gotten in trouble to (laughs) with back in the day. And I was like, just look at him, like, in all his beauty. And I was like, I haven't used that word trade in a long time. (laughs) 
So, as many of you know, I love my Bible, The Queen's English by Chloe O. Davis. I will continue to talk about it. And so, of course, the word trade is in this dictionary. And so, I had to re-remind myself what the hell that word is. Because I used to use it so much, I don't use it anymore. I don't hear many people use it, unless I'm just out of the loop. But anyway, trade is a noun. Definition, a casual sexual partner for a gay, bisexual, or queer man. The term rough trade, or phrase piece of trade, which is what I used to say, can also be used. There's a quote saying, quote, I'm about to call it my trade. I need some company. And I know a lot of you can relate to that, especially (laughs) in these days. I probably think that it might also mean fuckboy. Maybe there's a difference between a piece of trade and a fuckboy. Maybe not. We can talk about that. Um, but this this person can also be a male who identifies as heterosexual, but occasionally has same gender or queer sexual encounters, otherwise known as the down low. So yes, I'm here looking at LL Cool J like, mm, had you been a regular person and had I met you... 10, 15 years ago, it would have been on and popping. And that's my Scoop of the Week. (laughs) What have you got for us, Mark? Well, I mean, before that, I mean, there's so much there. I mean, Top of the Pops itself. I've been watching that series that you're, you're referring to, and it's just taken me back because it was a staple of our lives and my life. So I've kind of been reliving my youth. And then Hip Hop and LJ and... Um, sadly, yes, I did kind of hook up with that kind of man back in the day, so quite happy. (laughs) But yeah, just even the word trade, you're right, nobody uses that word anymore, and um, I'm really familiar with it. But my my, my scoop is um, something upcoming, which is um, Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight, uh, the Oscar-winning film that lots of us absolutely love and is part of the canon now, returns after If Bill Street Could Talk with a 10-part TV series. And it's an adaptation of Colson Whitehead's Pulitzer Prize-winning book, The Underground Railroad. And it's so... I'm so excited for it because, you know, Barry is an amazing, creative, a wonderful director. And to be bringing this book, which reimagines The Underground Railroad, kind of has a, 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 a futuristic punk aesthetic to it, Um, which also looks at, you know, this incredible story is coming to Amazon Prime. And I'm just so excited to see Barry Jenkins' new work. It's going to be an amazing piece. Check out the trailers on YouTube. Those alone will just make you catch your breath. They're stunning. So I know it's going to be a brilliant piece of work, an amazing piece of art. Oh, that's amazing. Looking forward to that. And if you don't have Prime, find a way. Find a way. Find a way. Almost seems like he's taking his time with this one too. Like, yeah. I'm really excited to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's, I think it's incredible. I mean, more and more movie directors are stepping into film. Sorry, more and more f- film directors are stepping into TV, which is bringing cinema to TV. And, you know, now that we can't actually get to the movies, to have that cinematic experience at home is is a wonderful thing. And so, and this story, if you've not read the book, um, I highly recommend the novel. It's brilliant. And to see how Barry Jenkins tackles it and expands that world is going to be something really to look forward to in black cinema, period. So let's get straight into the toppings. So we're going to carry on the conversation around, you know, film and TV. But let's bring it right into to love and romance. 
So I know the three of us in private conversations, you know, we spoke about black love. We spoke about romance, the lack of representation on TV and film and theatre when it comes to seeing us. When it comes to seeing gay black men in loving romantic scenarios without all the drama and grief. So Mark, do you have a piece of work that you still go back to year after year? Something that you connect with deeply? Do you know, it's probably music. It's probably music. It's, it, it's, it's always music. It, music is a perennial for me. And if I'm thinking about, into, you know, thinking about the topic what we're, what we're talking about today and, it's, and, and love and romance, it's always the music of Luther. And that might sound a little predictable, but Luther and the music of Luther for me around love and romance, it, it epitomises what we can do when we, 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 to quote a Luther song, when we don't let our sensitivity get in the way, <laughs> right? And, and, I, and I always go back to that, whether, to, to his work, because it is steeped in romance and it's a man, a black man, who's unafraid to, to, to have yearning, to have desire, to have romantic desire, not just about the fucking, not just about the sex. You know it's leading to the bedroom, but it's all about the pursuit. But there's also about the loneliness and the heartbreak. And romance and love is deeply ingrained in black music, right? And I was, I was reflecting the other day about a Beyonce album, and obviously, you know, podcast, we can't talk a podcast without talking about B. And... I, and you have two sides of the coin on a Beyonce album, right? And in Black Love, you do. It's the the loss, the 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 cheating, the bad stuff, and then you've got the most amazing desire. One, I'm going to hold you tight. I'm going to press your shirts for you. And Luther does that as well. And for me, as a man, to hear those words from another man is is really important and loving as well. And for years, you know, nobody kind of uh, understood what Luther's sexuality was. And even when I listen to the lyrics, even today it's ambiguous to some extent because the man never came out. But even when I listen to the lyrics, there is a kind of gender neutrality about them as well. I never listen to Luther and think, oh my God, she's serenading a woman here. So for me as a black gay man, that's the point and the man, the person I always go back to in art. That's so rare, this, you know, the, the ambiguity that comes in in his love storytelling, you just don't hear it. And especially at a lot of male artists, um, and especially today, you know, that that form of music making, you know, the the height of R&B. Mm. I'm not sure if we'll ever get that back. Not just as a genre, but just as, the, the, you know, the, how they make music. It's just, oh, and especially when it comes to love. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if we'll ever get that, especially in the days in these days of toxic masculinity where it's all about you know, shoving it down our throats about, you know, I'm a man, I need this, I want this, I'm gonna get you. Da, 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 da. Um I mean there's a whole the, there's, there's a there's a whole argument, you know, did did gangster rap kill the romance of R and B, right? Well You know, that. that's a whole different Oprah show. <laughs> Right. <laughs> what's your What's your favorite Luther song, or top three? Oh, if only for one night. Superstar, and um, my sensitivity gets in the way. If only for one night, because 
it's the most amazing, beautiful seduction song. It, you put that on and, you know, it's seduction. It's just beautiful. The panties are coming off. I was about to say, panty dropper. Panty instant. dropper. Yeah, follow that up with a bit of Jodeci, Let's Be Alone, and <laughs> the knickers are... <laughs> you can tell I'm a man of a certain age, right? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so let's put the panties back on for a minute. Okay, fine, fine. Yep. Do we have to? <laughs> when was your first... What was your first romantic experience? When I was 16, um, with my first boyfriend who I met. Um, and as you know, with, with, with most of us, with our first first boyfriends or, you know, our first partners, you are knocked for six. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a romantic. And so I met this guy and I was head over heels um, within the first few weeks. And the joke, I mean, the irony was, is that um, he played me loofah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it's starting to make sense. It makes sense, right? But, but what it was, was that it, you know, we, we, I was just really excited to, to speak to him on the phone or we would just go for walks. It was really simple stuff. It wasn't a lot of wooing. And I think because I was really young, I was 16 and, you know, the first flush of youth, somebody and meeting another man, another black man um, who was just, was just gorgeous, was just such a lovely thing. It just ticked my heart. So, yeah, that would have been it. What I remember really clearly about my first really romantic experience is lying in his arms and I was quite, because I'm quite a small guy and he was much taller than me, um, and cupping his face or somehow having his hand in his face. And he had stubble, he hadn't shaven. And that was the first time I'd encountered a man. And to this day, stubble for me is the sexiest thing. And that wasn't, that may not seem romantic, but just to be able to lie there with a masculine man in the physicality of being with a man. And stubble is a true representation, right? So mm. that was it for me. And that just felt wonderful with Luther in the background. Right. I love how Luther just will always be a bookmark. Yeah, for real. <laughs> for, that, for that moment. So that was your first time at age 16. Mm. Had previously, had you had or had you seen any representation of that, a man and a man being intimate with each other? How did you know at that moment that, yes, this is it? Was it solely how you felt inside? You know, was that moment what you had hoped for before that happened? I, I you know, I mean, I'm 51. You know, I came of age in the mid 80s in, in London, you know, and like most of the world, there wasn't a huge amount of representation of gay life anywhere in the world. If, any, if anything, where we were represented, it was as a curiosity. We were moving into a period of like, oh, there are homosexuals over there. They drink in bars. Or we were starting to see the beginnings of the AIDS epidemic. So seeing images, reading stories, seeing narratives, that just didn't exist. So when it, in my heart, when I accepted my sexuality at about the age of 15, I had my first crush on a boy at school. And that was deep. That was that your heart skips a beat. And that's when you start to know that this is something, right? And when I, when I met my first boyfriend, it just felt really natural. It just felt really natural. I'd had girlfriends before, you know, so I knew what love and romance was. 
you know, but to experience it like that was really different, but really familiar to me. So I didn't need the representation to tell me that it was possible. I'd seen my parents in love. I knew that love existed. So in my mind, why would it not exist between two men? I wasn't brought up to believe that, you know, love between anybody was impossible. Love is love, as they say these days. You know, hearing you talk about laying in this man's arms and feeling his stubble, so much imagery there. And it also, it it makes me think... I could see it. It felt like I was, you know, in a non-perverted way. It felt like I was sitting in the room with you, you mm. know? And it makes me think if only more people could could see that and 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 and, and could see themselves um in such a scenario. Mm. You know, going back to Barry Jenkins again, you know, Moonlight, such a powerful piece of work. When it comes to representation in the arts, it's such a big question. What do you feel what do you feel is missing? Let's say you could kind of insert something into into the forum. What do you feel the culture needs right now? I mean, you know, I, I'm a simple guy, so it's the simplest things for me. And I wanna see I wanna see more of us, right? I, I, I wanna see more black men with black men. And I and I talk about black men and cis black men and trans black men because that's a community that I, I live in and I represent and you know That's not to say that others shouldn't, but for me, that's what I want to see. You know, I want to see men that look like me, that love like me, represented in in all forms of media, okay? Be that the visual arts, be that dance and performance, be that the written and the spoken word. Just us showing up. So the work that I know both of you have been doing individually, you know, is already demonstrating that. The work of people like Ajamu has been doing that for donkey's years. So we're starting to see more of it come forward. Um, I just want to see a continued call to see that happening. You know, when I think about film or theatre, very often we come from a place of deficit. You know, these are the problems in our world. And I want to see the stories which are joyful and celebratory. Now, I don't want to see, you know, fake stories of love and romance which aren't realistic. Right, right. (laughs) You know, but I also want to see us inserted into the everyday. You know, I don't know when, um, you know, seeing two Black men together will be cool or fully accepted by everyone in society. But it's like more people would rather see two black men either fighting or competing against each other you know we have no problem with sports Mm. (laughs) you know seeing a whole bunch of black men on on a screen competing against each other or whatever um but when it comes to to love or even if it's just male to male affection regardless of sexuality you just don't see it yeah that much with black men you know you know when the whole uh metrosexual thing came out when was that Ooh, a decade ago. Mm. Um, I feel like I, I could be wrong, but I feel like the image of the metrosexual man was definitely not represented with a black person or a black person wasn't included in that. It was definitely someone, someone white, someone European. Um, and maybe if you wanted some color, you'd have someone with fairer skin who is of uh, African or, or Caribbean descent. But 
I just never saw, you know, black men shown other than these very old and tired tropes that 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 we see in society. Mm. The aggressors, uh, the list goes on. Mm. And well, it's like, I just don't know when that'll be like actually genuinely accepted. Mm. I mean, I, I recall the, uh, there was a picture a few years ago of Ryan Coogler, the director, and Michael B. Jordan. A really mm. absolutely stunning, beautiful picture, black and white shot. And Michael is cradling, um, Ryan, Michael is cradling Ryan's head. And it's an absolutely tender shot. I know, I know the and the, the blowback from the community was, was crazy. So there is, we, we do have an issue around, and the word that keeps coming into my mind is tenderness. We do yeah. have an issue about showing tenderness to each other. And if we bring it back to black gay love and black romance, this is where we have, I believe, my opinion, we have the challenge, right? Where we don't see it, we're not taught it. It doesn't come naturally to us or it doesn't feel natural. So when we get into relationships, being tender sometimes feels like, might feel like an extra piece of work. And also, as people of colour, very often we're not great with PDAs, with public displays of affection. Keep your business inside. Why you got to take mm. it on road? Being yeah. romantic is about being spontaneous. It's about showing that, you know? Um, so it, it, it shouldn't be complex, but we make it so. I think you've hit something. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there as well. Um, you mentioned tenderness. And I think as black men, we... <sighs> Sometimes, some for some of us, we don't always have the luxury of being vulnerable, mm. right? Or um, some of some of us don't know how to be vulnerable, or we can't be because we have to protect ourselves and our energy. And I think to display tenderness and to welcome tenderness into our lives, we have to be vulnerable sometimes. Mm. I mean, being romantic. Is, I mean, you know, being romantic and being in love, being in love is being vulnerable. You are opening yourself up, right? Oh my gosh, I really, 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 really... How many times have you said to somebody, I really like you? Do you know what I mean? And they're boom, out the door, right? So it's a risk that you take because you're showing that you're vulnerable. And for many of us black queer men, you know, the world is bad, it's tough for us. So to make ourselves vulnerable puts ourselves at risk already. Being black and queer, we're vulnerable, in the world and then to open ourselves up even more to hurt to pain to suffering in when when all we want is to be intimate <laughs> with somebody and to give that intimacy back then it's no wonder that many of us might put up walls why is it that you know even with our own folks we will do the same especially in terms of dating that you'd think or i i'd think that me being or experiencing romance or infatuation or anything along those lines with another black man would be easier. I would think that me as a black gay man loving or, you know, dating or being obsessed with another black gay man should be the easiest thing in the world because mm -hmm. we are of the same demographic. We have shared experiences. But in my experience in dating, I've dated mostly black gay men. It has been some of the hardest I just don't understand. Well, I think the thing is, right, is that here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing that I've learned. 
dating's hard. Dating is hard. Yeah. Period. I mean, regardless of who you're dating, whether you're in an interracial relationship or white on white, black on black, it's hard, you know? But as black men, you know, we do have these added pressures on our lives, right? So I've dated guys before who, you know, totally, totally cool, we're in love, blah, 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 blah. They're not out to their family. So our relationship has to be hidden, right? And so that puts pressure on us. Or, you know, I'm out and I'm HIV positive. That puts a... You know what I'm saying? So there's all of these factors which... Where, where I say, you know, when, when Joseph Beam talks about black, game, black men being, loving black men is a revolutionary act, it's revolutionary because it's radical. Uh. It's radical. It shouldn't be. You're right, Cam. It should be the easiest thing in the world. But it's radical, man. Because every, everything teaches us and tells us that we shouldn't love one another. We shouldn't be tender. Pushing shit up a hill in a leaky bucket, bruv. So we're going to continue on with our next segment. And we're just going to get deeper into the conversation with the lovely Mark. We have some questions for you, Mark, that we are just going to fire at you. No pressure. But we'll continue with the topic of love and romance and your experiences. And we'll salt and pepper that with our experiences, too. You ready? I'm ready, baby. Let's do this. First question. Who taught you how to love? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I taught me how to love. Period. Oh, Period. Okay. I taught me how to love. Yes, yes. Through through experience, good and bad, I taught me how to love. Me and everybody around me actually. And the thing is I'm still learning. That's a good thing. What advice would you give to your 16-year-old self today? I love this. Um, I'd give him a couple of pieces of advice. The first is, get the toxic dick, but don't stick around. Oh! Ooh. Can, you, can you actually go back in time and tell my 16-year-old self <laughs> that? Because my first was toxic dick, but I stuck around yeah. after seven rounds of cheating. So. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. The, that, yeah. that dick must have been... Touching your soul, boy. Yeah, get get it, get it, and get out. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I I would tell him, apart from that sage bit of advice, I would tell him to grab every get, grab every opportunity, you know, and and seriously live life to to the full because you'll still be here. You will still mm-hmm. be here. Speaking of toxic dick, or maybe not speaking of toxic dick, um, what is your ideal night? romantic night please oh so my ideal romantic night would be um going out for a re- it would be going out for a really nice meal i love to eat out what's the what's the cuisine because i wouldn't be too i'm not too bothered you know it's more about the space i like the space and then followed up with a nice drink in a hotel bar straight after okay yep mm-hmm what, but what kind of space are we talking about? Are we talking about like low lit? Low lit, intimate, mm. quiet music, tucked away, very dark, great service. Not too bougie. I'm not that kind of guy. It just needs to be nice. And I'm dressed up and he needs to be dressed up. It's all about that. And, and the food needs to be seasoned. Food needs to be seasoned, but, but not too heavy. <laughs> yeah, of course not, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> Just a Not tuna as well for me. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. Miso soup to go. Uh, <laughs> so you took we took ice, ice cubes of <laughs> so that. ice cubes of that um, <laughs> yeah and then, and then and then and then back home and then probably just on the couch chilling for a foot punch basically for the Thompson for the Thompson yeah but that would that that would be it I just love a nice romantic meal with someone bit of a walk home after a nice drink and then you know just chilling at home I came to keep it simple do you believe in true love at first sight. Yes, absolutely. Did you experience that at 16 or was it later on? When I was 21. I remember it clearly. Who was he? Who was he? Um, his name was Brad. He's from the States. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. <laughs> hey, Brad from the States. Brad from the States. You can look at him in the picture in black and gay back in the day. Uh, Will do. Looking now. <laughs> looking now. <laughs> and um, it was at the Market Tavern, which was a pub in Vauxhall and I was 21 and I went along there one Thursday night like I usually did and uh, he was in the back bar and I remember he was wearing a pair of jeans and a red t-shirt and he was just stood staring at the TV and I was like that's my man and then we were together for about four years see folks it does happen it does believe in it I believe I really believe in it I really believe it, it doesn't always work out but you know while it does while it does it's good Maybe you can answer this um, as a follow-up with what Brad had. What are three characteristics you like in a man? Good taste in music, without a doubt. He needs to be really, really warm. And by that, I mean a good person, right? And, and that sounds kind of just flaky, but in his heart, he needs to be a good person. And someone that really takes care of himself. Because if he takes care of himself, then he'll take care of other people. Whew, all the feels, all the feels. <laughs> so, for all the mandem out there, they listen in, Mark. <laughs> How can a man woo you? What is your love language? Let's say someone wanted to move to Mr. Thompson because they wanted, not wanted peace, but they, they wanted to take you out. They wanted to, they wanted to take you out for some ice cubes and, and a salad. <laughs> What's the the best way to woo you? Uh, You know what? It's been so long. And this is no joke. It's been so long since somebody has. Um, They need to step to me. And by that, I mean, they need to be... Because I'm quite a character, you know. And I, you know, I have a career. I have a reputation. I, you know, but they need to, they need to step to me and step to me as Mark. And that's Mark without all of the, the Insta and the, the career and the HIV and all of that work. They need to step to me as Mark Thompson from Brixton that likes good music and likes to walk his dog and do yoga. And he'll know how to step to me. I won't have to tell him. Mm. Period. Y'all know who y'all all out there. You do. <laughs> y'all, if, if you want to step to him, come correct. But before those people arrive... given the choice of anyone in the world who would you want as a dinner guest and why a romantic dinner guest in that lovely low-lit sweet music place for miso soup for miso soup oh shit who's my current crush (laughs) oh dear this is an easy one because it's the first person that comes to my head, which is kind of really pretty. It'd be Frank, Frank Ocean. Because he's, he, he's my type of man. 
in terms of physically. Um, and he's a creative. And, you know, he's a musician. My ex-boyfriend was a musician, singer, so we kind of, I like that. So, yeah, that, that would be it. And I know you said you want the man to step to you correctly. Do you think he would step no, to actually, you or no, would you step no, to him? No, Frank wouldn't, would he? You can tell, right? Yeah, that's what I'm No, he wouldn't. Seems very shy, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't mind shy. I don't mind shy. I mean, because, you know, you can't have, you know, two balls in a china shop, can you? Could you imagine? <laughs> well, <laughs> I tried that once. Didn't yeah, work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, I'd love the romance of Frank. Just because he's cute. Yeah, he cute. he's adorable. He's cute. So what is the first thing that you notice in someone when you fall for them? Their hands. <laughs> it's the first thing I look at in a man. It's his hands. Sounds <laughs> really bad, isn't it? Um, but that's not the first thing I fall for. That's not the first thing I fall for, though. But it's the first thing I look for, look at. Mm. And what, you want to see clean fingernails, a nice pedicure? It, it's, it, I mean, manicure. It's like... Man hands, right? I like masculine hands. There's something around a man's hands which just signify a lot to me. I don't know what it is. It's like that stubble thing. You know, I think I was brought up... You know what it was is that, you know, my, 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 my dad was worked in demolition. He was really kind of quite, you know, um, tough little man. And all the men around him were like that. And I think in lots of ways, my desires were shaped when I was really, really young, like for, for many of us. And so when I see men that are like that, that's what I find really attractive, you know. Um, but usually their sweetness, I think, when I've fallen for them, it's their sweetness. Because it's that vulnerability, again, that we spoke about earlier, you know. And when I'm... And when I kind of think about the kinds of men that I like, and when I see them be vulnerable or to be really sweet, that goes against everything that we're, we're meant to be. And... If I rewind back to that first question you asked me about that romantic moment, my first romantic moment, it was romantic and special because it's, and you said you visualised it, it is a picture of softness and tenderness and vulnerability. And I think that's when I know that when I feel safe with you, that's it. Which do you agree with? Love should always feel comfortable or love should always feel fresh and exciting? It should sit between both. It should be comfortably exciting. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's a familiarity when you're, when you're in love with somebody and when you've built up a long relationship with someone, you know. But, you know, you don't want it to get stale. But you, you, there, there's, there's love in that comfort. When people have been together for 50 years, they talk about that, don't they? You know, this person knows me like nobody else. But you still want the ability to shake it up and to be fresh and to surprise somebody. So it's, it's really a balance. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe that you can be friends with someone who you loved in the past? Yeah, yeah. As long as you've... As, I think if, if it's, we're talking about a relationship, as long as it's not... As long as if it's acrimonious that you've both processed and dealt with your shit, then yeah, because if you were good friends before, if you were in love before, then you should be able to build, you should hopefully build on that. Very often, you know, you, know, you, you spoke about, you know, not, not stick around as a toxic dick, is that very often we fall in love with people where we're either in, in, in love with the idea of them or in that moment. 
But not everybody's around forever. Forever. It, there's a whole thing about whether or not you should be friends with your ex. Like it's a huge thing that people are either really for or really against. Um, but I don't see. I mean, I don't see that. I mean, I think it's a it's a nice idea if you're friendly and you really like that person. But two people have connected chemically, physically, emotionally for a period of time. We don't stay friends with people that we worked with for years. And we have just as intense relationships with people that we work with. Right. We, mm. There were people that you were ride or die with in your 20s that today you're like, hey, girl, you keep it moving. No bad feelings. Correct. But just because you shared a bed and some flowers once and said you were going to be together, but then a couple of years later, you're not. You can keep it moving as well. Ain't no big thing. I try to remain friends with lots of my exes. And? One or two I still am. You know, they're dear to me. And there are a couple of others where I'm like, no, nah, you're still the man that I broke up with. So latest to that, mm-hmm. no. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason. So yes, you can have it both ways. Yeah, there's a reason you're my ex. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, keep it wearing back there. Stay over there. I did say, I said this really good card once. Um, and it was like, happy... Happy National Ex Boyfriend Ex Person Day. I would wish you the best, but you've already had it. Oh, hey. when was that? <laughs> so I can catch it when it comes I back know, right? next year. Let's inaugurate it today. <laughs> today, April the twenty fifth, is National Exes Day. <laughs> you heard it here first. The final question is: For what in your life? do you feel most grateful? And to make it a, a bit more specific, let's keep it in the context of romance and love. I'm really grateful that as a black gay man living in this country, living in the West, during some of the darkest periods that our community has experienced, that I have experienced deep, deep love with some of the most beautiful amazing, sexy, fucked up black men that you could ever want to meet. Each one of them was special in their own way and they brought me moments of intense happiness. And I'll always be grateful for that experience because I can go to my grave knowing that I've had that love and I've woken up and somebody has looked at me and thought, damn, you're the best thing ever. And I've looked at them and felt the same thing. And when they've been away from me, all they could do is think about me. And when I've been away from them, all I want to do is make them happy and be with them. So as a human being, to have lived that, to be a black man and to be a black gay man in a world that tells me that I shouldn't have those feelings and I shouldn't have that joy, I'm grateful for that and I strive for it in the future. You can keep up with Mark on Instagram at markt underscore zero one and keep abreast on his numerous projects, including Black and Gay Back in the Day on Instagram at Black and Gay Back in the Day. Mark has an upcoming documentary episode airing this week, Thursday, the 6th of May on BBC Two at 9pm in the UK. The show is called Saved by a Stranger. He has a new podcast series about the UK HIV epidemic produced by Broccoli Content coming out next month in June. So be sure to look out for that. Communicate with us via email at contact at twoscoopspodcast.com 
on Instagram at Two Scoops Podcast and find us on Twitter at Two Scoops underscore pod. We have something exciting to announce. So we looked into some of our analytics and Two Scoops has been listened to by people on every single continent except Antarctica, stretching from Vancouver in Canada to Brisbane down in Australia. Shout out to some of our biggest supporters in South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana and Mozambique. This is very important to us, especially as black gay men, because we want to connect with as many other black people in the diaspora worldwide. So knowing that we have so many global supporters, especially on the African continent, encourages us more and more to just continue to do what we do. Thank you so much for all the great support this season thus far, and we can't wait to bring you more. Catch us next time for another episode of Two Scoops. Two Scoops. Two Scoops. Two scoops.